Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show. In this special episode, we interview the band Sego. Stick around till after the credits to hear their song, Neon Me Out. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and today with me, always, my lovely co-host, Lou. But today's special guest, we have the band Sego with us today. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the yes. studio. Yeah. You guys want to introduce yourselves for the audience? Yeah, I'm Spencer. Raise I'm, your hand, baby, because hey, hey, I'm I'm Spencer from Sego. <laughs> I'm Thomas from Sego. I'm Alyssa from Sego. I'm not from Sego. I'm uh, not from Sego either. <laughs> but we're all Sego. We're all Sego. And uh, what what was the title of the last album again? Sago sucks. Got it. <laughs> Got it. So just in case you're wondering, it's easy to find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, we're a big fan of these guys. Uh, our intern, Maxton, Maxton, kind of uh, brought them together into the studio, kind of arranged everything. But fun fact about Sago, I'm, I might be one of the only few people in L.A. that has watched them prefer, perform live multiple times in Utah. Yeah. Oh, um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Like, people know on the show that I lived in Utah... Uh, from 2016 to 20-ish, like four years. Are you guys from Utah? Like, how did that start? Yeah, yeah. Tom and I grew up um, sit close to where you were going to school, and uh, we started as a different band down there, which brought us to L.A. This is like the trek. <laughs> was it called Sego before? No. It was, there was a different band. It was called Elizabethan Report. Oh, yeah. Elizabethan and, Report. And then yeah. we changed, which was changed yeah. to Islip's Eyes, which then lead singer... We broke got up. Got married. <laughs> got married, broke up, got it. And then uh, and then, then we started Sago out of the ashes of that, and uh, Tom and I um, kind of kind of persevered through that transition, and then we met Derp down here. Yeah. Spencer, after that band broke up, like a year after we kind of played around with other friends and like kept ourselves busy but he had this like this like stockpile of music and songs and he's like I don't know what to do with it and like we were it's like you should just you should do it you should just do your own thing with it and I'll do you one better I'll play drums for it yeah I'll just keep it going. I'm in <laughs> yeah. so Sego was kind of originally a solo thing is that not not kinda? necessarily but it I mean, he just, like, he never stops writing, and so he had a bunch of music that he'd been writing that he didn't know what to do with, didn't have a place for it, and I was like, well, let's just start a band. Let's just do a thing. Yeah. And, like... Yeah. yeah it was originally, to be honest, I was trying to get Tom to sing in the band, because, yeah. uh, you know, he's... Because I got the stash uh, for it. Yeah, he's got a... <laughs> he's got a we would have never known because of the mask. It's a good thing it fell off. Be but, safe. But uh, I couldn't quite talk him into it, and so I ended up by default being the lead singer. But it wasn't by design; it just kind of happened that way. This is actually this is the first time I've ever really—I don't know if you would call it singing in Sego, <laughs> but this is the first time I've been a vocalist in a band, really. So this is you know. Which I want to talk about that in a second. But before we do that, I want to talk about when did Alyssa come into play? Because I know you play bass. I do. And you were a later addition. I was. Um, I met them. Uh, I don't know. 
four, five years ago, I think. I think I was like 18, and I met them through a mutual friend, uh, Alex Jones, who used to like. He was with, responsible yeah. for bringing us to LA. Yeah. He's our oh. first manager. Is he not a manager. He's not manager. bad, Alex Jones. Different our Alex Jones. <laughs> Different Alex Jones. It's not uh, the famed Alex Jones, but the <laughs> our famed Alex Jones. Yes. <laughs> He's famous to us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Alex was the one who got us all connected, and he literally just, he knew me from a band that I played in in Santa Barbara with Maxon, actually. And oh, um, that's Yeah, Maxon and I had played, together, played music together since I was like 11 or 12. But uh, we had a band, and Alex Jones was helping us out with some stuff, and then... Years, fast forward a couple years, uh, Alex texted me randomly and he's like, hey, do you want to audition for this band called Sega? It's my buddy Spencer and Tom, they're starting a project. And I honestly immediately was like, no, I'm okay. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't have enough time for any yeah, for a project. Yeah. And then I listened. I'm in the caverns. It's like, I'm, I'm in the caverns. Yeah, exactly. I was like such a freaking egotistical 18-year-old. And then You're I listened to it. You're actually making money, too. <laughs> well, and then I listened to it, and then I was like, I just started crying in the car. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, I need to be in this band. And then I texted him. We met. You auditioned. I auditioned. They broke my heart. We passed, yeah. <laughs> they said no. And... <laughs> After all that mental turmoil of whether to audition for the band. I know. It was like, yeah, I auditioned, and then they chose somebody else for the tour. Then, like, a year went by, and I was, like, secretly just sulking in my room, just, like, looking at everything, just uh -huh. like, oh, man, I want to be in this band still. And then this, I don't know... It happened again, uh -huh. and they, they had another spot, and they're like, hey, you want to try one more time? And I was like, yeah. And then I got it. There you go. Persevere. Perseverance. Perseverance. It's, it's, it's so I like fun. to say that we got it. Hey. 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 <laughs> Come on. That's right. Band love, band love. But uh, yeah. um, I'm really glad. I, this is one of the first times where um, I, don't got, I don't know y'all personally close enough, where some of the other artists that have been on the show have been friends sure. or total strangers. But I've actually seen you guys perform live mm -hmm. and can say that your show and just like your album, it sounds crazy. And because it is the Mixing Music Podcast, we want to talk about that. Um, we want to play one of your songs later. Um, we're going to edit it in. Uh, but I wanted to talk about your music. How would you describe, before I offend anybody by trying to describe your sound, Spencer, can I ask you, what, how do you describe your sound? Uh... What is going through your head? I mean, I think we uh, endearingly refer to it as uh, art punk by non-punk non-artists. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's about as close as I can get. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Like, emotionally, it's kind of punky. Yeah, it's yeah. punky, but I can't really wave the banner of punk because I feel like that's a very intense, loyalist community. And, uh, Sometimes a little too loyal. Yeah, a little, you know, it's a tight, <laughs> it's a highbrow world. And then artists who, uh, it's hard for me to consider myself like an artiste, but I feel like this comes from a place of like uh, slightly more organized uh, intent. And yeah. so it has like that, but yeah, I would never, I would never refer to myself to friends as an artist necessarily. So, yeah, that's about it. How about alternative? We'll just say that. Yeah, there you go. Alternative, <laughs> like an alternative rock kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Always like Your that vocals, one. like you said already, like, your vocals fit very well. It's kind of like um, you're not really rapping, but it's kind of lazy, and you're, like, doing almost poetry just on the stage. 
to rhythm, and it's got this kind of like, can, may I even say, like, the vocals in Cake are very similar. And to be honest, I don't hear anybody else doing it. Because if you did it a little bit more intensely, it'd be more like hip-hop. Right. But when I hear you, it's just like enjoying the show. Like, you're just enjoying what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's not really like, rapping. It's kind of yeah, more of like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, like, it's not like a flow though. I've I've actually had a friend who's working on a hip hop project and loosely asked if I would do a verse. He's got bars. <laughs> and uh, I bet he does. Yeah. yeah, I feel like my kind of type of verse isn't the kind that you just <laughs> throw into a into a, a beat, but. Um, I feel like, feel like you can at least open a beat. Yeah, like you can, can narrate the song somewhat. Well, you know, you know that part before they start the verse where they're just talking about the headphones and all that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my headphones up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking about the surrounding. Like, turn the headphones up, yo, <laughs> everybody, y'all ready? Okay, <laughs> and then I'm out. That's my verse. You like dropping David Byrne into a DMX track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you gotta sneak in, like, is this even the right tempo? Yeah, that's yeah. Right, that's right. Oh my god. So I think you guys are really awesome guests for the show. Not only are you a genre of music that we don't typically talk about, and uh, Lou specializes more than I do within the rock realm, but you guys really have amazing productions. Now, I assume it's partially helped from outside people doing it yourself, but in your records in general, I, I notice a pattern of an amazing use of hyper-compression, distortion, filters, and just kind of like, it's really aggressive, um, and it's very creative, but it's also very hi-fi. Like, it's not in a way that it's like super-duper lo-fi. There's elements of that, but I think that like, honestly, you guys are doing this really cool lo-fi thing, but in a very modern way in a very hi-fi kind of way. What kind of like influenced your sound in that sort of sense? And what kind of tools or like distortions or sounds were you kind of going after? Um, well, actually, I, I feel like I, someone, I heard a, speaking of punks, I heard a interesting interview with uh, one of the guys from The Replacements. And he, he kind of, he kind of uh, expressed it in a very articulate way. Where he they were they were crediting all this uh, like you just had this lo-fi sound and you guys brought this uh, really you you kind of ushered in this generation of lo-fi kind of punk records and uh, you know what did you think about like why'd you do it this way or that way and his answer I thought was pretty novel which was he, he's just like we were just poor you know <laughs> like, we, we would have done a steely dan record if we could have but we you know didn't have the money so it just came out that way and in a lot of ways that is kind of like sago it's like you you are limited we're not in crazy studios all the time we do a lot of self-production and so you have to get creative with that already and so uh you know because i feel like for the recording purists you can kind of hear you can hear like someone trying to fake a good record really quick, uh -huh. but if you're kind of working within your own parameters and being creative with that, it comes out, I feel like, a little bit more genuine. Yeah. And so you take that and then we collaborate uh, with different producers and studios um, to time to time to that then takes whatever our sound is and elevates it to a slightly more acceptable level. And I feel like that's kind of the grand cocktail of what happens. And that's that's so beautiful. And and actually, on a previous episode about this, I say that usually, like with local artists or artists that are just starting, 
the, the really the only thing that I feel is a lot of like try hard energy. And that turns me off to music. Like when you're really trying to be someone else and it's like you're losing yourself in it because of it. I feel the total opposite with y'all's music. It's so real. Spencer, you're just so you. Everybody on the stage is honestly just having a good time. And even the records, the recorded productions, the studio productions sound like somehow you guys did an amazing job reflecting that emotion where it's like so real, but it's also very well thought out. Like it is well produced. Like it was, you didn't, like I know you're saying that like within your limitations, but I know that you spent time on that shit, you know? Right. Um, and like, I think it's like absolutely beautiful how it all came together. Tom, Alyssa, I want to ask you guys like kind of what is like, what did you play in part of the process of the recording of the album? How did it turn out versus the way you wanted and expected it to turn out at the beginning? Well, one thing, it's like going with like the punk thing, even though we are the least punk people you'll ever meet. <laughs> but like we, we, eloquently punk. <laughs> like what he was saying with the contrast, of like punk artists, blah, 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 blah. It's like, we definitely go for, we definitely give a shit about what we're doing and we tried our best to like know what we're doing. But we, and when we're in the studio, we're coming up with ideas. We also base a lot of it on performance and like the feeling of like, you know, I'll, I'll do a drum take and it might not be like the most perfect take, but the the feeling of that take will be like encompasses the idea. And like a lot of it's song by song and like some songs it's like, let's just use program drums on this song, but like, let's let's go like see what, like let's play live drums on this song. And like, never really go for perfection, but just like a, like a good take of like, it feels, it's like serving everything and it has a character or like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I try, I try not to think about it too much, even though I want it to be the best it can be. But like I try to just immerse myself in the energy of that song or the the vibe of that take, and just let it kind of happen. I improvise a lot in the studio, even though I think a lot about what I want to do. But like I'll let it kind of just, I'll let the take kind of just speak for itself. Yeah, uh, that's, that's something I try to do because I'm sick. I I didn't come from like a perfectionist drum background where it's like. Steely Dan, like I, you know, I grew up playing like Blondie and B-52s and New Order, where it's kind of like all over the place, but like beautifully, like perfectly all yeah, over the place. Yeah, absolutely. So, what about you, as queen of the low end in the oh, band? Gosh. There you go. What, what is? What do you feel about like kind of the direction, how you started it, and how it ended up? Kind of like. I mean, for me, I think it's a little bit different because I honestly wasn't really a part of the recording process and the until writing recent. process until until, until really recently. <laughs> And, which we'll talk about your recent records in a second. Yeah, yeah. which is so different for me because I, I feel like in most of my time in the band, I've always, I've been obviously a part of the band and a player, but I'm also kind of, I get to be like this outside listener as well and kind of like, they wrote a lot of the stuff before I even was a part of the band. And so a lot of Sega Sucks was already kind of done. And I was kind of excited just to listen to it and like give my opinions on it and get to experience the production world for the first time with this like really really cool record and then I get to learn it and play it and kind of add my own thing to it as well but I'm still learning about production stuff from these guys and these guys are both kind of like I view them as my teachers and my mentors in production because I know really nothing about it and because I'm just starting in it but with this new record that we were writing it was really cool because I got to really be a part of like from scratch like the the process and I learned a lot, and a lot of my insecurities came out, and these guys pushed me really hard, and it was amazing, because I got to kind of see how it works when everyone's uh, writing together, the way we just kind of 
try to make it as organic as possible, kind of like what Tom's saying. I feel like that always comes across in the records where we try to make it fit live as it does in the production. Because you, I hate personally when you listen to a record and you're like, man, that record was amazing. And then you see the band live and it's like completely different yeah. products. But yeah. for us, I feel like we have that sometimes, but we can also meet in this middle where it's like, oh yeah, it's different from the album, but in like a way better way. Or we try to like be way better live and use the records yeah. as like a little example for something and like expand on that musically but i'm still learning i'm still figuring it out and they're teaching me i think i, think <laughs> I don't know how to do any of this from stuff a, from a production level i feel like derv brings her, i think uh, her nickname's derv by the yeah, way yeah derv. So if we everyone calls her, me derv if we refer to her as derv we're, we're talking to Alyssa. she but she i think your insecurities ended up being one of your biggest assets on a production sure. level early on because since since I didn't really know a lot of that world, it actually brings kind of an unbiased outlook. And so she listens yeah. more with her ears and just like conceptually hears things that are working or not working for her, Maybe whether or not she can say what that is. Yeah. Um, but I feel like both Derv and my one of my brother Robbie actually has been kind of a listener guinea pig because he is a un un uh, involved in production in any way. But he, he's always a good third-party uh, person that kind of will give you an honest feedback, not based on any, like, you know, minutia of, like, technicalities and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and actually, I want to kind of dive more into, I think, the most beautiful and the most hardest part about artists is getting the finding the balance of getting over your own insecurities, right? And I want to talk about that, but I know that the listeners are often wanting to know technical details. So before we talk about what I want to talk about, which is getting over that, the emotional side of it, is let's hear, I want to hear some uh, some technical stuff. Like, what was one of the coolest things production-wise you had to do, or like the weirdest out of war, like new thing that you've ever done in the studio, or anything, or acts, happy accidents? Or random piece of equipment you found that you never thought you'd ever use. Delays potato chips. What? I want to hear this. That, that happened. That happened. Remember Lay's that? potato chips? Yeah. I forgot what we were Because I know recording. that, like, at June Audio also, they have, Lay's. like, the tiny little speaker sometimes that yeah, Scott likes yeah. to blend in with. Like, what are some cool productions, production stuff? Well, we work with this guy in Canada. Yeah, oh. Dave. Who Lisa. used, like, old retrofitted, like, World War Two like, what were they? Like, the... Like, just, like, ammo box cases that he put, like, compressors in. And yeah. He built all of his own stuff. He used, like, a PC that was running on, like, Windows 95. Yeah, he, he what didn't was have, that? <laughs> yeah, he, he had an old, he actually had an old G5 from, like, 2006. And he he doesn't upgrade the, uh... Dave, sorry, I'm giving away your secrets. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're not even talking about that guy. This is somebody else. <laughs> I, uh, but, yeah, he, uh... He, he never really upgraded his computer, and he doesn't have the internet in, at his studio, so it never really, like, got upgraded and got out, outdated. So he uses this super old... It's basically just a tape machine computer, and, hmm. and, and he builds all his own equipment. But I feel like Dave actually... Well, from like a technical, it's more of a production standpoint. His, and that's that's cool, too. His, yeah. his outlook on production, in particular the drums was was wild he would yeah. he would wind up tom 
It was started about eight at night. No, it was started about like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you try to start at eight. Right. <laughs> but you listen to a bunch of Canadian deep house records and shit until and get, get like, you know, he would we'd get in a zone and then be like, oh, I'd be like, all right, well, I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Be like five hours later. It's like, oh yeah, let's get in there and, and get to work. <laughs> and then he would he would basically have Tom play every possible genre or version of the song on the drums. Like, give me a Zeppelin version. Now give me a Samba version. Now give me a Zydeco version. Now give me a give me a reggae version. Give me Ringo. Give me yeah. Give me Ringo. Give me give me yeah jazz. Give me this. And we do like six or seven takes of just completely different genres styles of drumming. And then I would sit back there with them and we'd like cut it up and like yeah he would take it, it through just, and blend it in and so yeah so about half of uh, Sago sucks was up in Canada. Um, with, with, with Dave. that guy, and <laughs> and so some of the like on the track whatever forever, the drum. That's actually the one I was telling him of uh, the our new album. I really like that one. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. The, well, you'll notice that the drums follow very few through lines. It's just all over the place, and that's because he, we followed kind of Dave's technique of like producing a drum sound throughout the thing, and he just pick moments, and he's all about the moment. And, uh, and then you just switch fully to the next section. So That's interesting. So it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to recreate live for sure. Yeah. But, so but it's a fun challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Was, like, yeah, we, we, we I would play it all, and like I even had a hard time. Like I don't know. Like I kind of want to just get one good take, but he kind of like shifted my mind of like no, like look at how like there's all these awesome moments that happen within all these takes, and they're all different. Like let's find a way to blend them together now we got something interesting here that's Absolutely. like I imagine that's not drummer, typical I imagine as a drummer that that's also kind of a timing challenge to perform live yeah I mean when we when we got the first like cuts of the record I was like we went up to Canada and made a Wings album this is all over the place <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do <laughs> but it was it, it makes it funner to play live actually after yeah. learning how to like blend all those different parts together mm -hmm. and like connect it all yeah that's it's, a, it's fun. It's crazy, and and uh, the ending mixes as well. Was did everybody who mixed that last album was it, was it one person? Was it a couple people? Or? It was it was a few. So Dave did everything up in the Canada tracks. So he took you all the way to the end, even post production. Yeah, yeah. He he, he like housed five. us in his house, and we. You know, oh, we it was a full on vacation. We, oh no, it was January. In Canada. In Canada. Oh, no, that it was is no about vacation. negative 30 the whole time. And he and only had radiant heat. And so barely just... any heat in the house. <laughs> oh, shit. It was the exact opposite of uh, the Chili Peppers doing Blood River. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was a little, it was coats indoors a little bit. But, uh, but he, yeah, he mixed a handful of tracks. We had uh, Finn Bjornsson from kind of the, the Cascade camp. He did one. Um, I think, I think uh, Scott Wiley from June Audio did a few. And, and uh, uh, Sonny, Sonny, yeah, uh, DPRA did one. Um, so, so it was a bit, yeah, f like it was a bit of a, a a mix of end products throughout the the whole process for sure. How did you uh, kind of, I mean, like as an artist and producers, how would you kind of say the difference in styles that you heard as far as mixing goes um, between the different mixers, or was that something that you never really cared about? To be honest, it's it. The first time I ever cared about it was in our old band because we always self-produced everything. Because uh -huh. Spencer and our bass player were like went to school and like knew how to produce and record and all that. Engineer, you know. Hey, hey. there you go. And uh, <laughs> the uh, studio Y. 
the I, I I don't know if you had the same experience, but I you you think you're good until you realize that you're not, and that sounds oversimplified, but. We thought we were good at what we did until we went up. We recorded at London Bridge Studios up in Seattle, which we we were just excited because Pearl Jam did. Allison Chains, Mother Love Bone. <laughs> it's all just the grunge yeah. studio, but they had a uh, a big API board and a, a beautiful room, and you know just all the all the the right mics. And we remember when we came home, we were a being just the roughs of all these uh, songs that we had done. And there was like it's hard to describe, but there was just a, a a different weight to them and a more of a depth to them. And all of a sudden, our our mixes felt super flat and thin. Whereas before, like you you don't know what you're missing until you you know you hear it back to back, and you're like, why do these sound so much better and heavier? It felt, felt like they had like more dimension to them. And uh, and so I feel like <clears throat> going through that process, uh, we found a mixer up in Utah who then we'd never paid anyone to mix and I don't do you know Mike Ross Kelly? I mean, I don't know Mike Ross Kelly. He did he did uh, our old our old record but he did like the first Moth and the Flame record. Mm. Um, he did the Mido record. He was and kind he of did, the go-to guy back then for yeah, all he, those great records in yeah, Provo. Yeah, he did the Polytype. He did a bunch of these really cool kind of transitional era records for Provo bands and uh, and that was the first time I realized that dang like Paying paying for a good mixer is is worth it. It's worth the money. And it's worth the the investment, unless you're like you know obviously yourself a a great mixer willing to put that time in. But I didn't. We didn't realize that level. So ever since then, it kind of screws with your head because you're you're chasing that constantly. It's almost like a drug. Like you're just totally addicted to it. Like yeah. once you hear a comparison, because when you don't compare. You don't realize how good a mix is sometimes. Oh, man. <laughs> Once you hear, like, what it used to sound like, what it sounds like now, that probably fucked with your mind a little bit. I think bit. it's case by case, too, because sometimes we paid for mixes that were, like, the vibe wasn't right. Uh, and, like, we were like, oh, how we did it, even though we might not be as, you know, elite as this, but, like, that song probably didn't need that much. That's, like, and that's the hardest thing. Yeah, and that's a hard away. way to, like, I, you're, like, in that middle road, like, oh, shit, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know me and DK spoke about that recently, about, like, you know, finding the right fit sometimes. It's yeah. not even that they're necessarily bad. They just don't understand what you're after. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, like, the best mix that they can give you is not at all what the artist wanted. And... Well, we just went and did, uh, for just a, a song, we went and did some drums at the studio, and it was awesome. But, like, when we were listening back to it, we were trying to figure out how to find the mix for this one particular song that nobody's heard of yet and probably won't. But uh, we keep going back. We're like, I don't know, like what we did originally just by ourselves kind of like fits better, sounds better. And like the drums do sound amazing with this guy that we went and paid for. And he's an awesome dude, very talented guy. But like we still are like caught between this like, I don't know, like the vibe is there for what we did. But the drums sound bigger than this. But like, where do we go? Yeah, how I far do you yeah, chase Yeah, like mix. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. So you never really know. I Absolutely. Guess. I, got, I don't know anything. I got a quirky <laughs> I got a quirky production thing we did once to kind of loop back to your original question. Oh yeah, we deviated. It's, it, it's more nerdy. Um, we this is what I found in production is the demo itis thing is real and it, to combat that I just try to record the demos as best we can and then we just roll that into actual songs. So mm. a lot of like our original tracks were there are a few that are 
the vocals are actually just like recorded like into the laptop mic and and it ended really? up being the right vibe and it's kind of thin high pass sound i'll clap to that yeah <laughs> i'll clap to that that's like, awesome we tried to redo it with like the right mics and the right everything it's like you know it's kind of misses the vibe and we and and it leads itself to um i don't know if you've realized this but like it's all about additive production and so if you have a cool nugget whatever it is like you add a synth we've had plenty of things that were play savers and then you build a whole track around it and then you don't realize how the other stuff really needs that part and so when you try to remove it and do it like the right way it never sounds right ever mm-hmm. and so we just it's been like a, a turn a turnaround trying to like figure out like okay like if I do this, it's going to be the end. Like, I'm not going to replace this at the end because I know that's going to be the case. But one was same thing. We recorded a... There was a cool-sounding guitar, and uh, but it was just an electric guitar with, like, a just a cell phone or something. <laughs> and uh, without an amp, you know, just in the room. And Really? That, so you just recorded the, the cell phone? So it, it ended up going back and recording the actual guitar with, like, a Neumann but like it's just like in the room like that plunky crappy electric guitar in the room sound but it's like well i guess this doesn't need an amp because again we've built around it and so it's like this is it needs to be plunky and kind of harpsichord sounding and so we're just gonna stick with that so it's like and that i think that goes for anything like acoustic or electronic or whatever is just like that additive production order i think I found that like you got to take those steps seriously because it's it's really hard to like remove those building blocks later on. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, as we kind of wrap up, I kind of wanted to ask a little bit more about the future record. So, Alyssa or Durr, right? <laughs> can we uh, can you talk tell us a little bit about uh, the two new records that came out and what that was a part of? I heard it got split up. Like, what is? Yeah, there's uh, Life with Pam. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. We did Life with Pam. And well, Life with Pam was fun. And that one was good because uh, we decided to release it as a 16 minute, 40 second uh, chunk of music. And that's how it's meant to be listened to. And there are some singles that are released from it, but... And Bandcamp only. And Bandcamp only. Oh, and so, that's where that 16-minute yeah. long record is. Okay. Yeah, so it's on Bandcamp only because we wanted to make sure that people would go listen to it as a whole, as one, all the way through, instead of having to go get the singles and like just picking whatever you want to put on your playlist. Like It's like, if you want to listen to it, you got to go listen to the whole thing it's all one track you and gotta buy in it's the closest you get to a live show right now. yeah that that was the whole reason why we or a part of the reason why we're doing that because it was supposed to kind of represent what a live show would be like for us you know and, and it's a little bit it's a little rowdy i mean the last song is the best song on that one come on so it's 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 kind of like a separate songs but melded together yeah yeah, yeah it transitions like like how our shows usually do and uh-huh. i was kind of supposed to represent that and like you know at our shows live we tend to kind of transition in between each one go like little noises in between little diddlies little instrumentals whatever it is and so in the in Life with Pam, it does that as well. So there's like it's all supposed to kind of transition into one and kind of feel like one show. That's is, awesome. Really so it's fun. on Bandcamp. It's on Bandcamp. I wanted to emphasize that it's on Bandcamp. <laughs> She's on Bandcamp. That's right. That's right. And Hi Pam. 
Yeah. <laughs> Pam lives like two blocks away she from here. She lives two blocks away from here. There oh, is an actual Pam. Oh, yeah. this is she's, amazing. She's a real woman. She's a real. She's an amazing woman. woman. Is the song really about Pam's life? It's it's uh, not about Pam's life. It's a it's about life with Pam. Nice. I was I was living with Pam last year. Oh shit. Yeah, she was she was uh, a roommate. So we uh, so it was just an interesting experience being like on tour and then coming back and hanging out with Pam. She's a like a, an older woman and kind of lived a, quite a wild life in back in New York back in the day and so it was just kind of this hilarious contrast and so yeah, it's like showbiz where it's like you're yeah. in showbiz out on tour and then you come home with this person that was in showbiz like in the heyday of like what showbiz is and yeah. it's like we're living together but like what does it mean yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that's I'm actually really yeah that so Pam going... knows about the song yeah, I actually. Who, who broke it to her? I, I I went over to the house and I I showed her the whole thing and gave her the rundown and she got teary eyed and she was just so she's amazing. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I imagine that was an amazing moment. Yeah, she's yeah. a lovely lady. So the, the the album cover. The photos we did is yeah. like a a lemon and that she has a big lemon tree in the backyard yeah, that's kind of like was like the the kind of the symbol of Pam. So that's yeah. where all, all that. Did the photo comes shoot together. back there at her house? It was great. There you go. There you go. And. uh... Pam kicks ass. <laughs> Just saying, Pam. Pam's dope. Thank you, Pam, for inspiring a great record. Yeah, Pam's awesome. <laughs> um, and to be honest, I kind of wanted to briefly just kind of, before I ask the last question, I wanted to briefly touch on the fact that you guys have done some collaborations with with uh, Cascade mm-hmm. and his crew. Um, you guys got an awesome commercial placement. Uh, we could talk about Sync, Lights, and Sing, and... Uh, who, what was it for? It was for uh, Jack, Jack Daniels. Daniels. Jack Daniels. You got Jack a Dash Daniels. Daniels commercial placement, which is amazing. Like, uh, dare I say, um, I think uh, as we all want to aspire to be bigger, but I, from my perspective, you're one of the, you guys are some of the bigger artists that we've had the opportunity to have talked to in person. Um, well, and, you got to try a lot of artists. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like maybe, but at the same time, like, uh, I think it's really awesome because we Get talk it. a lot about like local bands and kind of escaping out of whatever it is, getting big where you are locally versus leaving and kind of the balance between that. There's so much that we could talk about. Um, so I wanted to sum it up and I'll just a couple questions. One is what advice do you have to anybody that's listening right now, whether an artist, producer, um, and as well as what is the future of Sego after that? Um, advice as far as uh, kind of the business tip Anything, things? anything, yeah. Go to trade school. <laughs> <laughs> ITT Tech. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I think I think one of the most helpful things that I, I ever figured out throughout this whole process was uh, kind of motion. Um, like the most stuff that happened for us was when we were just doing stuff. Yeah. And that sounds overly simplified, but we would just self-book a tour and then we'd, we met our booking agent. And then we would just hammer it out and try to meet people in L.A. And we finally like playing shows around LA we found our manager we found our publisher we found we started building the team but I think it's easy to get caught in a trap of like I gotta do it this this the right way I, I'm sure you've heard that mm-hmm. and there is a you know there, it's it's good to be smart with what you're doing but I, I believe that just um, doing begets doing and you you end up crossing the the paths that you need to when you're getting out there and so just putting stuff out, getting on tour in and of itself, it might be not as efficient as you want it to be, but it does something 
especially when it's so right now it's so inundated with artists and tiktokers and you know influencers I, yeah, I love 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 how you said doing begets doing yeah boots on the ground yeah just yeah just putting one foot what about you tom do you have any any advice to anybody that's listening oh uh, no not really <laughs> but i just know that we love what we do and as long and like that's what we strive for like anything that we come up with we try to keep ourselves interested first because we like what we do and as long as we like what we do then we feel like it's going to be cool for other people to listen to because yeah. we feel like that comes through as like our genuine interests and like go. what we're stoked about so i don't know my Do only advice was to just figure out what you enjoy doing and just keep be, doing it yeah be selfish yeah, yeah. kind of that's the biggest thing what was the quote that i heard recently uh, a reasonable man will adjust himself to the world an unreasonable man will adjust adjust the world to himself therefore all progression is based off the unreasonable man interesting hmm. and i I'm unreasonable. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And there has been a lot of progress. Like, no, and you guys have really pushed that music. It's been awesome. We've been together for a long time now, since the Provo days. 2007 is when we started playing together in bands. And we've always just looked at each other and like, are you still in? Are you still excited? Yeah, are you? Are you? Okay. And the minute that conversation goes the other way, we're just going to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So... Derek, do you have anything to add as far as, like, advice to anybody that's listening? Any young bass players or anybody else? I mean, else? I've learned that a huge part of, of, I don't know, whatever, doing whatever we're doing is just kind of being a road dog, too. That's, like, a huge part of it. You kind of got to be able to, at least in the beginning, like, just do whatever it takes. And whether that's sleeping in the middles of aisles of car seats in the in the truck or whatever, wherever that was, that horrible bus we were in, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> eating only green room food, having a nap for supper, whatever it is, yeah. like you kind of have to just do anything in order to get what you want. And that's I feel like what they've taught me and what I've learned in it is like, oh shit, I gotta like I gotta step up and like I gotta let go of all those things I'm comfortable with and just. Be dirty, be gross, be tired, and keep working constantly. Play it's the, always like play what the hell out said, of that bass. Play that out of the bass, and kind of what Spencer said, like always, always moving forward, like just no matter what, always put something out, always be touring, just kind of be there, always, yeah. <laughs> just keep keep on doing it and be recognized. And I feel like that was the biggest comment we got from people was like, oh shit, they're still touring, like, they're still <laughs> on tour. It's like, yeah, I mean, we're just gonna keep going out and keep doing it and. And, and so I think there's a couple points out of that, which is, one, what Tom said, like, do you love what you're doing enough to be willing to do that? Exactly. Because you mean, also talked about how you were from, what, Santa Monica, Santa Barbara? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, and you were being prideful, and you got, you you decided to finally allow this Utah boys to, like, audition, <laughs> and then you got told no. Like, like you really like them. Like, that's awesome on y'all. Y'all are very convinced Alyssa, right? I do yeah. really like them, and I love them as people, and I think that... That's a huge part, too, is the way we tour and stuff, I feel like it's pretty, it can get pretty gnarly, but it also makes us really close, too, and that sounds so cheesy, but, like, we are really close, and we're, I mean, I consider them my family, and, like, that's a huge part of it as well, and, like, we just, you just have to collectively be, we do check on, any, on each other, too, sometimes, that's important, it's like, hey, like, are you still good, we're, we're all still good, and, like, let's just keep going and keep moving forward and just freaking be there all the time there be in go. people's faces all the time 
Well, we're, su- we're such road trash that when we brought Alyssa along, she fit right in. So. Yeah, I'm very, much, I'm very much road trash, too. Is, you know, Santa Barbara is whatever, but, like, I I am ha- I feel right in with these guys. It's just like, amazing. So do you guys, like, sleep in glad bags? <laughs> like, that's the sleeping bag right there? I mean, we would not put that past the situation. But, I mean, that's what it takes. And to be honest, dare I say, like, if you don't put in that much work, are you really competing? Yeah. You know, yeah. at this day, this day yeah. and it's just way too competitive. Oh, well, yeah. It's funny. I had this conversation today with a friend of mine from New York who we were discussing how it music, it's hard, it's hard to make money in music because music is awesome. Otherwise, it would be, you know, like everyone wants to do something that's awesome to make money and hence the competition is so high that it's really hard to make money in music. And that's like, and understanding that right away that it, it, it removes the, removes kind of like the underdog thing where it's like, oh man, this is just like unfair. You know, how is this unfair? It's like, well, because it's awesome. And you got to remind yourself that actually this is sweet that we get to do this in general. And then when we do get Jack Daniels stuff or we do get cool tours, it's double. It feels like very much. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. No worries. Let's let's go into right into what is the future for Sega. <laughs> but this year, this year has reminded us how awesome it is since we haven't been able to do it. And like you know, in a live sense. Yeah. In a live yeah. sense, and like how much we do that so much. Like we're usually out and about a lot, and like since we haven't been able to do it, it's it's a nice reminder. So I'll take this last year, 2020, worst year ever? No. Great learning lesson. <laughs> great great, learning great lesson. perspective shift. <laughs> and, well, and it, it has, I mean, as far as things coming up or things that have been happening, it'll, I mean, it's just a big opportunity to record and write yeah. nonstop. And I'm sure you guys here at the studio have noticed that, the, that yeah, it's when you're not touring, you, you actually have, have more opportunities to write and record. So that's, we've been busy in the in the old studio it's not exactly as nice as this though no. yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you thank you but yeah we'll just keep doing what we can do until we can do what we do again yeah yes that's awesome <laughs> well one more one last time take a listen to sago on spotify apple music title uh anything anywhere and Bandcamp. the new record Bandcamp. the life of pam on Bandcamp. <laughs> Pay the artists directly, support them, Bandcamp, Life of Pam, is that right? Yeah. Life of Pam, check them out. Just enjoy it. A good mustache makes a good potential singer. Yeah, (laughs) that opens the door. But an even better drummer. (laughs) There you go. And on that note, my friends, happy mixing and stay saucy. Saucy. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Skip the funeral, bodies dilated
just let your grocery bags sound like pouring water into one. Press my teeth against the glass, dusty eyes, suburban trash. Took my life for granted till I saw myself in pixels. All alone and lost in woods, I take a thousand pictures. Then you bought a camera, made my female friends are models. Now I'm seeing selfie posing, nearly naked by the water. amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.